<laughs> Yellow Do jacket. you want to name the concoction, Julia? Sure. I think you just really want to name the concoction. Well, drugs always have such great names. Like, do, do you remember in junior high, did they ever pass out the like sheet of all of the like slang terms for everything? What school did you go to where they were passing <laughs> hey, out slang terms I'm, for drugs? I'm from Las Vegas. You know, it's fast and loose out there. What? Yeah, what so what I are remember, you talking about? But they were all super outdated. So like, that's where it was like oh, Black hilarious. Beauty's Yellow Jackets. Like, nobody the, calls it But the it point that. of it was like, watch out for this stuff, kids? Yeah. And it's oh. like, oh, if somebody mentions, you know, Angel Dust to you, they might call it. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gore hounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as, as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, geeking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hey everyone! Hi! Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We are the first podcast from Indie Popcorn, and we're recording at the circus. This is episode 41, in which we will be discussing 1980s Altered States. The title of this episode is You Are a Faust Freak. And he is. And he is. And he is. <laughs> uh, and this tag, I like this tagline. It's okay. a little long, but I think it's, it's valid. Let's do it. In the basement of a university medical school, Dr. Jessup floats naked in total darkness. The most terrifying experiment in the history of science is out of control, and the subject is himself. I like that the tagline is the plot. It's like, exactly. It's just the plot of the movie. Uh-huh. That's really funny. So this movie was released on Christmas Day in 1980. That's so funny. I would like to talk to the people who went to see this movie on Christmas Day. <gasps> and be friends with them. Because uh, that's go, amazing. I went to go see Avatar on Christmas Day. <laughs> did you? Really? I did. That's the day. Almost I got in the fist fight on that. Oh, that's right. For uh-huh. Avatar. That's so funny. Christmas Day. Christmas um, Day. This is the film debut of Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. and William Hurt. Oh, and William Hurt. This is the first movie? Okay. Uh, yeah, this film is directed by Ken Russell um, and written by Patty Chayefsky. Um, and this film was actually nominated for two Oscars, which again is rare in horror movies, for Best Sound and Best Original Score. So um, I have so this is based on a novel written by Patty Chayefsky, which mm-hmm. I have read. Oh, really? I have. Oh, okay. Uh, and so this uh, so Patty Chayefsky also wrote the screenplay for this film, but was so unhappy. I heard some shit went down. Creative differences, perhaps, between Chady, Patty Chayefsky and Ken Russell. Because slash, I'm going to punch you in the face. Well, the, I think the problem is that Patty Chayefsky is quite subdued, yeah. and Ken Russell's incredibly bombastic, totally. and so they just didn't mesh. Because it was somebody else, like. Arthur Penn or somebody was supposed to direct this film originally and then so I think when it, the idea of it being turned because he wrote the screenplay too right? right so it was like I'm going to write the screenplay and I'm going to turn it over into the hands of a director perhaps like no, Arthur Penn well, well, so Patty Chevsky wrote the screenplay under a pen name so I think he was so unhappy with how the film mm-hmm. went he took his name off of it right and went as Sidney Aaron it's <laughs> really funny yeah so little, that when you you know your writer's Alan Smithy not yeah. happy yeah when but I think it's really because probably like you were saying like their sensibilities are really different which I think can also make for an interesting film mm-hmm. to have sort of those two sensibilities merge but I think if you're either on either camp you're just like oh this guy's the worst this guy's the worst right. you know so this is the movie that pretty much introduced the world to uh isolation sen- sen- sensory deprivation tanks isolation oh, okay. tanks mm-hmm. so uh this is idea of you uh float in a tank you have the tank water in total darkness in total darkness uh with no sound and the water temperature is basically body temperature and so mm-hmm. you lose all of your senses and you are known if to hallucinate mm-hmm. um uh what i've done a sensory deprivation tank okay um 
I was very excited. I felt, <laughs> I felt very Dr. Jessup and I was like, all right, here we go. Um, and it was just, you know, it was pleasant, but you, I didn't really see anything. You right. know, maybe if I was on some sort of psychedelic, it would be amazing. Yeah. I'll have to try that next time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Some sort of Mexican Indian psychedelia with your own blood in it. Yeah. We'll get to that. As we'll get to. Um, I really like the, the title sequence of this movie. It has the kind of title like going crosswise. Cross- I was going to say, I love that there's no credit intro. I like how it just sort of taught, like it just sort of, at the beginning of it is just sort of like William Hurt in the tank like first image uh with goggles and that crazy glass orb with wires and the whole thing and then they do that thing where the title sequence sort of goes from left to right right to left big letters filling the whole screen it's, an, um, it's cool. i think it's really cool yeah um, i really like uh late 70s early 80s science uh, like uh laboratories because they're full of so many like buttons and dials and printouts yeah. and noises it's very and, analog like, it is uh-huh. and like even though it is still digital it's like a very primitive digital but mm-hmm. i'm just a big fan of like dials and, and knobs and, and buttons and things to switch save them don't 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 get rid of the man yeah uh-huh. uh, and we have uh, Bob Balaban who's just chilling out in the lab uh, looks very groovy he is because the, yes the movie in the beginning they sort of there's a voiceover that sort of uh, says it's in 1967 mm-hmm. that Dr Edward Jessup who's William Hurt uh, has sort of done these experiments on himself and uh, Bob Balaban plays Arthur who is, is sort of his like scientist friend who, who sort of supervises all the boring stuff <laughs> all he has to do is like watch him in the tank. Flip some buttons, look at the printout. But if it wasn't for Bob Balaban, where would the William Hurts of the world be? Like, you got to have that guy. Snap. Mm -hmm, Just saying, you got to have that guy that's like back there doing, you know. He gets no love. Let's give him some love. Yeah. We like the Arthurs of the world. (laughs) We do. Um, So he's sort of monitoring the experiment and they sort of exchange notes. And uh, he uh, sort of William Hurt says, oh, you know, he hallucinated. Uh, Bob Balaban says he hallucinated for like five hours. And William Hurt's like, oh, it only felt like one hour. Um, And he also says that he cried. And William Hurt doesn't remember crying crying and he wants to keep studying and um they have this great walk and talk there uh they work at columbia university is that right i think so and uh they have this great walk and talk where they're leaving the university and they're walking to the subway and i love these big crowd sequences in some of these movies in like the 70s and 80s where clearly they only got it's extras to a certain point and then it becomes real people who are just watching the filming and if you watch this scene they're doing a walk and talk until just they get to the subway stairs and then from basically the subway stairs on everybody who's around the subway are just people who are just watching them filming and they're just looking directly at the camera mm-hmm. so bob balaban and william Hurt are like acting 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 and then there's just people who are just staring at the camera like hey, right behind what's them. going on you guys making a picture like yeah it's 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 great i really like it but before that it's just extras extras being like no extra work i'm selling hot dogs i'm having a conversation and then you just cut right to the people who are just staring at them and i love that uh so then we go to a party sequence super hippie party which is a great because we got uh you got light my fire by the doors so mm-hmm. it's, it's a great party where there's people uh, smoking pot, passing mm-hmm. joints. Right. And I love, there's a great, there's a Bob Balladin where he passes a joint off screen. <laughs> he just a hand, goes out of screen, and then he's giving it to somebody. But we yeah. don't know who that is. Nope. I like that. Yeah. You're I watching agree. a movie, guys, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, and then also, this sort of, this is the internet. We meet um, Blair Brown, who mm-hmm. plays Emily. Um, who is a, a very accomplished scientist in her own right. They're all supposed to be grad students at this point, but they're sort she, of... She reminded me of you a little bit. Really? Yeah. Huh. Said no one to me ever. That's really interesting. <laughs> you remind me of Blair Brown. You're a Blair Brown aspect and you're like, to you. Yes. Mm, yes. Who is that? Um, but uh, yeah, no, she, but she is a, a physical anthropologist. And you have the sort of, I, I like that this, the meet between the two of them, because they're going to be sort of our final couple in this film. Um, it's not even like a meet cute. It's a meet strange. And they have that crazy, you know what I'm talking about, right? This yeah. hallway shot where it's like uh, Eddie shows up to the party 
And she looks down a long hallway at him and the door opens and it's the outside where he's standing is blown out white. And then he kind of emerges from the white, sort of like handsome William mm-hmm. Hurt. That's like, oh, hello. And she sees him like, oh, this is going to be trouble. Yeah, there's a lot of framing William Hurt in doorways in mm-hmm. this movie. Yes. Uh, I like, but I like both how- in shadow and in light how honest they are with each other from the very first, like their mm-hmm. first conversation. So, cause she's like, basically everyone tells me you're an asshole, but like, <laughs> let's find out if you're an asshole. And uh-huh. like they, you know, and he, he just takes it well. And it's just, mm-hmm. they kind of, they hit it off very quickly. And, and I like how straightforward they are and that he just is like, I'd like to go home with you tonight. Like, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think more more guys should take that tactic. Well, and also I like it because it's sort of like they are intellectually attracted to each other, yes. and that's something that obviously is extremely rare in horror movies because like that's not a thing. And I like that they, from the beginning, they meet and they because they're both scientists, they just get into it. They start discussing the nature of madness and if schizophrenia is really a disease that should be treated like any other disease, or it's just another state of consciousness, and like they're just like there and. The sort of the back and forth between them is frankly like why they're attracted to each yeah. other rather than like I like your dress you know well cute I mean shorty shorts let's sure. do it well it's, it's like you get me off intellectually and also physically so yeah. it's a win win yeah and so it's like there's a total package and they of, have the sweatiest sex of all time right by that heat lamp like turn the heater off guys it's clearly too hot in that room <laughs> I'm getting hot just looking at it you know? <laughs> and not the good kind of yeah no it's it's really weird and they he he also, it's interesting because you can tell that she is very attracted to him, but she also totally gets that he is a tremendous weirdo and like they're totally in the middle of having sex and he just starts staring off into the heat lamp and then starts kind of monologuing. There's a lot of monologuing in this movie, by the mm-hmm. way, uh, starts monologuing about um, how he constantly sees religious icon- iconography everywhere he goes. And like, and she's like, um, that's not really what a girl wants to hear when we're in the middle of, but she kind of rolls with it. And then they, again, just break into a whole nother conversation about like the death of his father and like why he's interested in pursuing this kind of work. And, you know, the movie takes its uh, name from his pursuit of like trying to figure out what these other states of consciousness are. And when people go on these trips, why is that not real? Why is that not just as like another state of consciousness be just as real as the reality that we all know? Mm-hmm. It's a great, he, I mean, he delivers it, delivers it really well. He also delivers it naked and like in a very, he's and, so naked in this movie. He, if you, all yeah, the time. There's a lot of William Hurt naked. So much William Hurt naked. Uh, it's just nice. Cause they they seem, it's just how vulnerable he is that he's like taken off, you know, his clothes. And now he's like, you know, letting his heart out to her and yeah. they're both very, it's, it's a very sweet moment. And, uh-huh. and, you 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 know it's all going to go horribly wrong. <laughs> it is, yeah. And you're like when you meet with somebody like that, like he's mm-hmm. so you know he's very similar to Victor Frankenstein that we talked about. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. this is kind of like single minded scientific genius who like nothing else matters. Like we have yeah. these big questions, mm-hmm. and the rest of it doesn't really like the friends and the family and the children like don't really matter because what about God and what about consciousness? Exactly. And so you just like leave the whole physical mm-hmm. world behind and like. And what I, happens when that happens? Where it turns out terribly right, yeah. most of the time, it seems like right. But I like how he, they're just really upfront about it, and she totally sees it. So it's you know kind of going, and I, that's really interesting because I feel like sort of in a lot of relationships and not often portrayed in film, when people see people who for, for what they really are, 
but they're into it. So they're going to go for it anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're shocked where it's like, you know what? You don't pay attention to me. You're obsessed with your work. She gets that immediately. And also PS, she's super into her work. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Africa for several months because I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do too, you know, but like she, so she sort of knows that he's trouble from the outset and, uh, but she just kind of does it anyway, like kind of just pursues this relationship with him anyway. Um, so he goes back in the tank and, this movie is just like, I don't know if this is an editor's nightmare or an editor's dream because the the hallucination sequences in this film are bonkers. Like They're it, very Ken Russell. I, it's, it's the, he so has a lot of these kind of hallucination sequences yeah. in this film. And he's obsessed. If you want a crazy psychedelic hallucination sequence, Ken Russell's kind of your guy. <laughs> he's your you guy. You got Tommy, you got like Lara mm-hmm. the White Worm, like he's... Yeah, on board with that's this. the thing, which is interesting, too, because you kind of feel that from sort of Patty Chayefsky's point of view, like you want that guy, because I don't know. I mean, you read the book. I don't know what the hell Patty Chayefsky wrote for these hallucination sequences, but it seems like having Ken Russell would be the guy that you would want to realize it because you need like a big, bold, unafraid to be crazy kind of vision right. to make it so you understand what is hypnotic about it for William Hurt, like why he keeps going back, why he's more interested in that than the real world or how the real world is like so boring right. and sucks compared to this other world where there's all these things of like, what does it mean? And what is it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he does a really good job with that. No, I agree. I, I think, I think probably it wasn't the hallucination sequences, but the, the regular, the regular stuff. conversations he thought, felt were too. Yeah. Over the top. Sure. Fair play. Like, yeah. Cause there's, uh, there's like some great images. Like there's that part where he sees his father and there's like a bit of the shroud of Turin falls on his dad's head. And there's that like multi-eyed crucified goat man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we see. You're like, what are we there's some about? religious iconography in craziness. And yeah. I don't know if, if I saw hallucinations like that, like that doesn't seem like something you'd want to keep going down that rabbit hole. It seems yeah. like that's opening a door into madness. And yeah. I think he knows it. And I think he's kind of pushing himself right. for that. Yeah. And it feels, a part of it feels very vertigo-ish to me. Like mm. that sort of that Jimmy Stewart, you know, when right. he's sort of like the head and, you know, all the crazy, it, fe- it fe- felt kind of like the, what he was seeing is both horrifying and you want more of it. And that is very reminiscent of Victor Frankenstein, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's true. Um, so there's a, se- there's a sequence where they're talking, uh, so uh, William Hurt's doing some work with schizophrenics. So mm-hmm. they have a, there's a, what do you call those? The kind of like the room where there's a glass where you look yeah, behind. Yeah, the partition. Mm-hmm. Um, one-sided glass. Yeah. Uh, watching a schizophrenic girl and they're injecting her with some, some something. Right. Um, and he goes in, this, it's just such a crazy line. And it, it she says, uh, she looks very beatific. She has a very pleasant yeah. smile on her face. And uh-huh. they ask, how do you feel? And she said, I feel like my heart is being touched by Christ. You're like, Wow. <laughs> That must feel pretty good. <laughs> but what a yeah. what a thing to say. And that's that's just kind of like a throwaway bit in this movie. But yeah. I'm like, that line There's wow. a lot of lines like that in this movie where you're like, oh wow. Um and yeah, and during that uh um that experiment, Emily comes to uh comes to Eddie and says that, you know, sort of they're talking about their plans and the fact that they're both gonna be teaching at Harvard in the fall, and she's like, We should get married. Like we should do it. And he seems to kind of sort of be like what marriage bigger things going on not really going to do this um but i like that her argument for them to get married is totally an intellectual argument she says um this is where we get the title of this episode from and she says and you are a faust freak eddie you'd sell your soul to find the great to find the great truth well human life doesn't have great truths we're born in doubt we spend our lives persuading ourselves we're alive and one way we do that is we love each other like i love you and i'm like 
solid marriage proposal, like really, Mm -hmm. you know, and she intellectually convinces him to get married, you know, where he's like, well, okay, yeah, I mean, and also like, I'm probably not going to find anyone better than you because like, you fully get me and you understand all this work and you think it's interesting too. And And we're both going to be at Harvard. Yeah. And like, you're hot, I'm hot. So yeah, all right. If it means that much to you, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. And so she's like, okay, you know, um, and so then we have this flash forward, what is it? Seven years, I think it is. Into Mexico? Uh, no, no. We're like they flash forward and they've already had kids. Oh, right, right, right. You know, and then you kind of meet everybody uh, and everyone's sort of been established and he's been doing the kind of family man thing. He has a couple of kids, one of whom is Drew Barrymore, mm-hmm. um, who is in this movie for like two seconds. Um, and, uh, and, but basically like he sort of, and it seems like their marriage seems like it's going well. Like they've got two young children. They've got this nice house. Bob Balaban and like another friend show up and they're sort of like all, I think his wife's pregnant and they're all sort of like doing fun couple things. And then Bob Balaban is told like, oh yeah, by the way, um, we're going to get divorced. But like everyone's still very chummy. Like there's no animosity. And so Bob Balaban kind of goes to uh, uh, William Hurt and he's like, what? Like you're going to get divorced, but you guys, you guys have kids. Everything's working out so well. Like you're I don't perfect together. Yeah. Like what's the, what's the deal? And he has, again, this, great monologue where he talks about like that the routine of a happy life has sort of left him starved career wise and he has to make a change. He has to clear the clutter as he calls it. That's what, how he thinks of his life mm-hmm. um, because he feels stagnated in his career and that he's like, you know, I did this, I gave this a world, but like, I'm not happy. So like, she's great and I love my kids, but like I'm fully leaving them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm fully going, I'm dropping, I'm dropping all of this going to Mexico, mm-hmm. going to trip out with some uh, natives in a cave. Correct. And like go back basically to pursue the kind of research they were pursuing before he got married. And so Emily takes the kids and goes off to Nairobi because she has to do anthropological things out there. Um, and he basically uses this as an excuse to kind of, yeah, he's going to go to Mexico. And I like it because I think William Hurt does a good job of making the speech. It doesn't come off as callous. Mm-hmm. It comes off as like hugely narcissistic. Yeah. Um and obviously very obsessive, which you kind of like, oh, this is going to be the end for this guy. But uh, but I feel like you still, I feel like that's a, could be a point where a lot of audience members are like, screw this character, forget it. And I think it makes him really interesting. I kind of really like it. That he's so obsessed with his work that he's made this choice that, you know, this is so much more important. Yeah. And in a way, because he doesn't think about, you know, uh, family and love and the way that like normal people do like it doesn't it's not you know so he's not like me he's like you know he knows emily is a hugely capable person and it's all gonna be fine like she'll work it out like it's not you know but it's it is very narcissistic but he just it's not it doesn't come from like anger or you cheated on me or just any kind of infantile things like it's very just like the work like this movie is all the work the work the work Mm -hmm. and i i think that's really interesting for horror movie characters in general because that's really usually not where their crises are born out of and Mm -hmm. i think it's really cool so he goes down to mexico and uh, meets up with some uh, natives who are doing a ceremony uh, involving some sort of mushroom mm-hmm. mixture. Right. Uh, so it, we get full on their paint, faces are painted, they're in the cave, they got drums, yeah. they got the music. They Because they go back, what is it they say that they're like, you're going to go back and find first self. your first self. Yeah, your, your unborn soul. Mm-hmm. That's kind of scary. <laughs> I don't know if I want to meet my unborn soul. So he see, uh, But William Hurt seems a little trepidatious and mm. then uh, they slice his hand to put some of his own blood in the In the stew. concoction, yeah. Like, ooh, mm-hmm, that's not... Probably a good thing. Okay. Uh, but he drinks it anyway mm-hmm. and trips the fuck out. Yeah, there's this great... I love how they sort of do the uh, the freak out where it's like he comes out of the cave and there's like 
sparklers all over the place, like shooting shooting on him, on him, over him. And so like, he's kind of getting burned and then he's sort of laughing and then he's also kind of upset and he's enjoying it, but also it's terrifying him. I mean, William Hurt does a really good, like tripping balls as they say, like he, you know, it's, he does it really well. And there's like, there's a lizard, but it's also his wife, but then it's also a lizard. Oh yeah. There's that sequence where like they see like, yeah, there's a lizard, but he's like lying down on his side, seemingly to be like, I can't handle this trip right now. And then he sees the lizard in a certain position and then it becomes his wife naked also in that position. And then like all this dust comes and they become covered in dust. Yeah. And then they turn to dust Mm -hmm. and then they blow away as dust. And that sequence goes on for like five minutes. Like the dust sequence, it takes forever. And he has like visions of hell Mm -hmm. and it's a whole... Why a trip? Yeah, again, editor bonanza. Yeah. Like, they just, yeah. Ken Russell, go Ken Russell. Yeah, and they have that weird thing where, like, there's another a part of it where, like, he and Emily are, like, eating ice cream in, like, Victorian mm-hmm. clothes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden their Victorian clothes go from all white to all red. Yeah. And it's, it's just, like, what? I need to make a movie with hallucination sequences because you can really just do anything you go, want. Oh, yeah, and then he's, like, also being strangled by a snake and just, it just yeah, like, all all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh man, if you had, you would have some 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 vision. So he takes, he loves this stuff. <laughs> decides to take it back. Let's take some uh-huh. in the sensory deprivation tank. Oh yeah, because he also at the very end of it, he comes out of the trip and he finds the lizard like gutted, sliced yeah. open. And then his guide is like, "Uh, you definitely killed that lizard." He was like, "No, I didn't. I don't understand." But also, I need to study this stuff more. So like, it's one of those things where you can see he's interested, but he's kind of rejecting already sort of personal responsibility of stuff he's done. Again, a la Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, Waking up from a trip, realizing that you have eviscerated a giant lizard. And have no memory of it. That would be pretty bad. That would be probably confusing. I probably wouldn't do that drug again. Oh, I know. But he's like... He packs it to go. Let's do some more. Do you guys have carry-out containers? <laughs> I'm going to need some. So he takes it to the lab to synthesize it. Mm-hmm. So he has an endless supply of this stuff. And he wants to take it in the isolation tank. I'm surprised they don't get, ever give it like a name. Like I'm taking like X-17 or like, you Good know, call, yeah. they never give it a name. Right. Or ecstasy or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Red no. devils. <laughs> Probably because they're too smart for that. They're Black no... beauties. <laughs> Yellow Do jackets. you want to name the concoction, Julia? I sure. think you just really want to name the concoction. Well, drugs always have such great names. Like, do, do you remember in junior high, did they ever pass out the like sheet of all of the like slang terms for everything? What school did you go to where they were passing <laughs> hey, out slang terms I'm, for drugs? I'm from Las Vegas. You know, it's fast and loose out there. What? Yeah, what so what sheet? What I are remember, you talking about? But they were all super outdated. So like, that's where it was like, oh, Black Beauties, yellow jackets, like nobody but the, calls it. But the it point that. of it was like, watch out for this stuff, kids. Yeah, and it's oh. like, oh, if somebody mentions, you know, angel dust to you, they might call it. Got it. This, this, and this. Oh, okay. So yeah, you. your school was savvier than my school. Yeah, we definitely okay. did that. Well, I just always my know. school was like all the sort of like you know drugs are bad. It was like Barbara Bush being like, sure. listen, kids. Yeah. yeah, just say no. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so basically they take all that. So he basically decides it would be a fantastic idea to take this crazy concoction where he eviscerated a lizard into the isolation tank with him. Um, and again, has another like epic freak out and comes out of the tank, like his face is bleeding and he's all white and he can't talk. And so he's using this pad to kind of write down and he feels like he has physically changed during it. So like whatever he saw in the, in the hallucination, 
in air quotes, hallucination, um, has like created physical changes in his body. And he wants like the full workup. He wants like x-rays, MRIs, the whole thing. Because um, before he uh, stopped talking in the tank, he says he was uh, on planes, like he was like the first humans and they yeah. were going to kill this animal. And right. He, he like killed a goat, naded. Right. And, and so, the blood that's on him is like the goat's blood. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he feels like he actually physically changed. Let's do some tests. And so they yeah. do a bunch of blood X-rays. work and... Who's the X-ray tech? Do you remember? Who is the X-ray tech? John Larroquette is oh, randomly yeah. the X-ray tech. Um, so yeah, they have so, so they uh, do a bunch of X-rays, um, and they do see some stuff in what was it his jaw or his throat or something like that? Yeah, because yeah. the the X-ray tech, they're like, oh well, I can't really like because. Really, William Hurt says, like, oh, this is a, a gorilla's jaw. Like, look how it's different. And yes, that's they right. don't know enough about it to be able to tell. So he's like, okay, I got this buddy who's, like, really an x-ray guy. Bring him over to him. See yeah. what he says. And, uh-huh. like, hands it to him. And the guy's like, what? He's a fucking gorilla. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, he says, uh, it looks to me, because uh, uh, his friend that comes over says, uh, it looks to me like the architecture is is uh, somewhat abnormal. And the guy says, somewhat? This guy's a fucking gorilla. <laughs> like, yeah, like what? That's what you've shown me. Um, and so then they're like, uh, okay. And then uh, William Hurt decides that he's gonna go off and like sleep with one of his students. And while he is so well, random, <laughs> just randomly sleeping with a student, and um, and then he kind of wakes up. And his body starts changing. And the effects on this, I think, are really cool. I do, too. Um, they're really simple. But it's like a thing where he picks his arm up and all these weird lumps start forming, like, under his skin in his arm. Or he'll look in the mirror at himself and all of a sudden his brow line, like, starts pushing forward, like, protrudes a little bit to make him sort of look simian-ish. Um, and he looks down at his feet and all of a sudden there's like extra toes. He's got like hobbit feet. Yeah. He has like crazy hobbit feet. And then he kind of laughs to himself and then he looks back and everything's back the way it was. Like everything's kind of normal. Um, so, uh, Emily returns from Africa. Um, and I like, again, they're friends. They're, you know, like you're, they're being adults about it. They're fully being adults about it. And then, so she's like, she comes home and she's unpacking and she's heard some crazy nonsense about experiments that he's doing, but she also tells him all about her trip. And she's got all these boxes with all this like crates of stuff, like for her science field. And I think that's very cool. Um, and they start just like exchanging notes basically. Like it's not, it's not, it's not even solely like about the sort of the personal relationship. Like at first they're like, okay, business. So what's your work? What's my work? And they just both start like talking to each other about uh, each other's work. And I think that's really cool. But also Arthur has written her several letters insinuating the fact that he might be going a little bit crackers. A little bit crazy. And so she was a little concerned about that. Oh, you're turning into a gorilla. Because I like that William Hurt has no filter for how things sound. Like he, his character is so obsessed that he doesn't, care really uh that if he sort of tells people like i am partially turning into a gorilla that that's crazy and that people are gonna like lock you up he's like no but it's true like it's true so he doesn't see his feet and think oh wow i'm really losing it his character has none of that he's like oh okay that's happening that's for reals he's looking at it as a scientist would kind of it's exactly not, there's no panic observation there's no no emotion yes mm-hmm. just detached observation so uh and he really wants her he starts telling her his theory that like these things that are happening she, he wants her to accept that altered states are just as real as reality and i want you to look at my notes and scientist to scientist like let's do that and she's like okay and then he thinks it'll be a super good idea horror movie survival 
horror movie survival guide tip, this is not a good idea, um, to go back into the isolation tank solo Mm -hmm. without Arthur there and then just try the experiment again by yourself. Mm -hmm. That's when it goes too far. You need the the Arthurs to balance you out. You do. You do need the Arthurs. So they're they're paramount to the the good well-being of these characters. They are, or at least for you having like a snowball's chance of surviving. Um, So he does it and he comes out a full ape man. Yeah. Out of the thing. Um, Let's give a shout out for the ape man who has some physicalities like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, it's not William Hurt. It's a different actor in this crazy suit. It's a small suit, but he's very acrobatic and jumping and running and gives it 110%. And I I kept thinking, that ape's going for it. Yeah, he really is. So yeah, they're sort of showing what the character is. Again, they don't have him sort of in a big gorilla suit. They have like, yeah, this sort of acrobat, I guess, or like amazing physical actor just like running around and doing things where like he'll run into a room and grab a pipe and just like fling himself up like a monkey would Mm -hmm. onto this pipe. Um, but he's basically crazy and he uh, there's a guard and a custodian at the college and he like steals their, the nightstick from them and like beats them really badly with it and then he escapes. Uh, can I give a horror movie survival guide tip here, please? If you're looking for what you think is like a wild animal that's probably loose in your building, don't split up. They split up. They do split up. Don't split up. Just yeah. be together. You can like figure it out together. Definitely. Splitting up is going to be the death. You go this way. I go that way to look for crazy ape man. No. Nope. That's a bad idea. So then uh, Ape is loose in Boston, yeah. running the streets. We're going crazy. He fights with a pack of dogs. Yep. Um, and uh, and then ends up at a zoo where he throws a rock at a gazelle, I think, mm-hmm. and eats it. Um, and then a, a guard comes by later on and finds now William Hurt naked next to an eviscerated gazelle. Which he's been munching on. Right. Uh, passed out. And so they pack him off to jail. <laughs> so Emily has to go pick him up. And it's like, hi, honey. What have you been up to tonight? Found you naked, covered in blood in a zoo. Yeah. Which he kind of like acknowledges and is like, huh, you have to put up with a lot with me, don't you? Like you just, you get some crazy phone calls. And his, she's like, yes, yes, I do. He's so tunnel visioned by this point. He I know. sees nothing. Yeah. It's just like, ah, oh, let me get back in the tank. Let's go back in the tank. And he does. He absolutely is like, let's go for it one more time back in the tank. And Emily and friends agree to do it. Even though they know this is probably like the last one. Exactly. And it's like a super experiment. Um, and this is where parts of this movie be- felt like it became a little poltergeisty to me, okay. which obviously this movie precedes poltergeist. So I was like, oh, I wonder if maybe Mr. Spielberg might have seen some of the imagery in this because, um, of course, it all goes sideways like immediately. And um, this really bright light comes out of the isolation tank and kind of blinds them all and blows out the glass. And there's a lot of sort of wind and bright lights. And a whirlpool? Yeah. And, and but, but like Blair Brown's kind of looking a little Jobeth Williams with like her hair flopping all over the place right. and like her early 80s garb. And um, and yeah, basically like everyone gets knocked out and uh, one of their friends tries to, get, um, uh, tries to get Emily away, but she ends up being sort of the only one standing. So she... Uh, crawls back into the isolation tank and the whole room is turned into like a big like pea soup fog whirlpool thing Mm -hmm. and supposedly he's down in the whirlpool so she has to kind of go into the altered state to kind of get him out I think um and, uh, yeah, and the whole thing kind of felt very poltergeisty and she does and she pulls him out and he, you know, is sort of unconscious and when they go home, Emily gets to have this crazy monologue about how but this this monologue is shot so crazy. It is. Where it's like they keep tracking going from room to room, that they, thing. Yeah, and then they shoot most of her monologue out the window yes. in a long shot. So yes. you can't even really see her face. And like uh-huh. she moves up eventually to the foreground. Uh-huh. But for the most of them, like, really? This where she gets her big monologue and she's just like in long shot. It's yeah. very odd. Well, and also 
but it's kind of very physical. Like the way that she's doing it is very like she's, they're all, once they kind of have seen all this crazy stuff happen, it's great because all of them, even though they're worried for him, they all have this crazy high of like, we just did this experiment, some crazy shit happened, and oh my god, like Bob, Bob Balaban's like the most excited you will ever see him. He says, I'm on fucking fire! <laughs> He's like really like, oh my god, this is so exciting! And uh, But Emily has this monologue where basically she says like, she just, she can't get him out of her system, she can't believe everything that she has to endure, she's like in tears, and then she kind of realizes like, he doesn't even really love her because she isn't, she isn't real to him. Like she, he's like, we're just all kind of like this world is kind of like the hallucination to him mm -hmm. and the hallucinations are the reality. So he just treats us like we're this and she has sort of has the, but she's like, but she, I can't help it. Like, I love him. And uh, you know, it would I, be I would do terrible to be in love with a guy like that. Yeah. That would be because you're never going to be number one ever. Yeah. It's always going to be the work. Well, also because like your reality isn't number one to him either. So yeah. how could anything in the reality be number one? Um, and so it, so I don't know, maybe that's why it's also shot out the window in that way. Cause everyone's just sort of like shaking with it. Um, and then William Hurt kind of comes in and, and he has this thing where he sort of talks about the realization he has kind of had from doing the last experiment where he says, uh, truth is transitory. It's human life. That's real. And kind of realizes that like the truth he was seeking, like it doesn't really exist. And she told him that in the I beginning. Know. I know. But he had to find out for himself. They do. They really do. Uh, and he, uh, starts to turn again and his, like this time, like sort of the way he turns is like, he has this, like this weird sort of like mongoloid, I don't know, like burn victim suit thing where like he only has one arm and his head is all bubbles and boils and I don't know. So he's in the hallway and all of a sudden he turns and Emily now sees him turning like into this altered state version of him. And she was like, nope, you could control it. You can turn it back. And she runs over and she touches him and she turns into like, what would you call it? Like a, like a lava lady? Like <laughs> so, so my notes for the sequence are hallway scene, static man versus lava lady. Yeah, lava lady. And she also is missing an arm. So they're each like, they've each got like one arm and she's made of lava. And the effect on this, I can't really describe accurately. It's like a, they're sort of in suits, but it seems, it has projected like, on. It has like of. this kind of like Tron quality to yeah. it where it doesn't seem sort of like quite real. Um, but he basically sees what, in touching her that he's transferred to her and she is not doing well. And so he keeps beating himself against the sides of the walls to kind of snap himself back into this version of reality. It's kind of like the uh, take on me. Aha I 100% thought that. And I was wondering if you were going to say that too. When he was doing it, I was like, wow, I probably should not be thinking this right now, but I'm just picturing aha music video all over this. That's how, that's how well, they teach us. That's how you get rid of like the horrible state is you just bang yourself against the wall. Bang yourself against the wall. So, which is so funny because I'm wondering now in hindsight, I'm like, the, the people who made the aha video are like, altered states that's a good idea but there needs to be music behind it and also yeah so basically he does the aha music video to snap himself out of his altered state and then once he's normal he then goes to touch emily and it makes her normal and then they and then he you know admits that he loves her and you have this kind of sense they're sort of sitting there like naked in the hallway together and you have this sense now that he can love her on the same terms that she loves him that sort of his quest is like i tried it the truth ain't out there, at least not the way that I kind of conceived of it. And like, I'm interested in this reality and you and like lesson learned. And he actually, he's sort of one of those rare movie obsessives that it doesn't cost him his life. Yeah. That he actually like figures it out and course corrects very late, but very late enough in the movie where he can actually save himself and ultimately her. Yeah. Cause nobody dies in this movie, right? 
No, not really. No, it's well, ideas die, don't oh, they? Yeah, uh, yes, ideas. Um, ideas do. No, but not. Yeah, there's no. It doesn't really like his. And again, in a sort of a obsessive movie way, his quest doesn't have a body count. Yeah, um, it's just really like it almost cost him his family, um, right. but he sorted it out. Um, so, uh, so yeah, um, I th- I think it's a cool it's a cool movie. And and having read the novel, uh, it's very faithful to the novel. Is like it? Okay. all the stuff that happens in the book totally happens in the novel and it's you know the I think when I was reading the novel I was like oh I can see why the movie doesn't quite because like the end you're like hmm Mm -hmm. like yeah static man lava lady what is that in the book it is but it's it's explained in in a better way that it kind of makes more sense but because it's going into his head so much right as a novel it works so much better than as a screenplay because I feel like it doesn't really translate as as well yeah and so then you're like okay and now he's a monkey okay mm-hmm. yep and now he's a static guy all right uh-huh. you know like yeah, you yeah. know the, i think that you know having i would recommend reading the novel because i think it'll expand uh, your like of this film it's it it'll yeah you no, know that that, I, that that makes sense i think also too you probably would understand like the mechanism for how all this stuff works a lot more i think the movie does a really good job of under of um making you understand his point of view. Yeah. And I think William Hurt and Blair Brown do a great job of taking this sort of really cerebral dialogue and the sort of the way in which these people view their relationship and their work and what they're searching for. And it's their relationship is really unique among horror films. And I think it's I think that's very cool and it doesn't do the obvious thing a lot of the times, but the ending does feel very fast and very like wait what like right. yeah but she is a, she's a very fleshed out character and she's yeah. kind of his equal and, and it never has to play the like injured wife really except for her big monologue at the end right mm-hmm. yeah she, and that's the thing is like ultimately he comes around to her way of thinking it's like you know Blair Brown had it right from the beginning you know it was just like about getting as we so lady ladies so often do <laughs> you know and it's just like come on when you figure it out I'll be here <laughs> um, so uh, gore factor for this movie uh, one is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup two is a puddle of blood three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer four is a bathtub of blood and five is run for the barf bag we give this movie a two yeah you just got a couple of animal eviscerations and yeah. it's pretty gutstastic but some you of know. the hallucinations are a little bit uh yeah but uh-huh. you know not so gory so a two which is the puddle of blood right Movie rating is zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five is fantastical. I gave this a three and a half. I gave it two and a half. Okay, fair play. Um, yeah, because I feel so we're both sort of treading around seen worse, seen better. Yes. Um, again, like kind of like what we were talking about in the um, the episode we did about Frankenstein. Um, I feel like I really like everything that Ken Russell is going for. I really like these characters a lot, and I like this sort of horror that's born out of this kind of obsessive, super specific quest that is also genuinely interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are bits of this movie that are kind of a little unclear. And I think the ending is sort of the biggest like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. there should be a big climax in the style. So everyone just walks out kind of confused. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But the, some of the imagery of this thing is really cool. And again, it's sort of like the pacing much more takes its time, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like we were talking about with Suspiria, where it's not like rush, 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 rush. It, like you are in those hallucinations for a while. Yeah. And there are a lot of them. <laughs> so, yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting and definitely worth checking out. Uh, also, check us out, if you will, on our <laughs> social media whatnots. 
and uh, leave us uh, reviews for iTunes so people can find us. We always love that and feedback too. You guys rock all the, we love all the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook love. Yeah. Um, the so, gifts of this movie would just be like, if you found like altered uh, state, hallucinating. Yeah. Like, Tweet us some gifts. So crazy. We like gifts. <laughs> um, next week, we're going to be talking about a seminal horror film. One of the most classic, well, not classic, but classic in an it's 80s way classic uh, you know it's a modern classic i would say, they say. a modern classic exactly. thank you uh, a cult classic mm-hmm. how about that mm-hmm. uh 1987's lost boys yeah we're gonna get some keeper i moments. can't wait yeah. we're gonna talk about some Corys. Huh. both Corys. some timmy capello oh my god <laughs> this is gonna be such a thrill we will see you next week <laughs> okay see you guys great to survive